the 15 to 10. He's got speed. He's going to the end zone. Touchdown, MSU. Dawson out to Harris for a three ball. He got it. Kennedy looking, center shot. The Spartans are on their way to a win in the Rose Bowl. Completion. Live from Impact Studios, the only sports show from MSU campus. This is The Pack. And your host, Fino. That is right. I'm your host, Fino. And guys, welcome back to The Pact. Lou, thanks always for the introduction, and guys, happy spring break to everyone. I know they had a, you know, people who had a great spring break in the sun or on the tennis court. In Harry's case, um, it's good to be back on campus here, seven oh one Eastern time, guys. And you know what? It's always good to be back with my four favorite people in the basement of Holden Hall: Lou, Harry, Austin, and Faith. So, guys, how are you? Doing great. Yeah. Doing great. Hey, can't complain, you know? Faith? Happy to be back. Yeah, right? And Lou, our guy behind the glass. Lou, what's going on? Well, I'm doing well, man. Beautiful day out. I'll tell yeah, you. it's a beautiful day somewhere singing is you too. But, you know, the, <laughs> the thing is, it is a nice day. It was, it was at 54 degrees. And to be honest with you, you see every now with shorts. That's so... That is the most pure Michigan it's thing I've great, ever seen. It's a great feeling walking around campus and it's just being so Everyone's beautiful. Everyone's in a good mood. The, frigid, the frigidness, it just it can't come back. Oh, my but God. We're in Michigan. It's going to come back. It's going to come back. People Absolutely. Are, people are on their porch. People are drinking. It's a Monday. I'm like, you're barbaric. <laughs> but, like, people are just having a great time. But more importantly, we're having a great time because guess what, guys? It's March Madness. And anytime March hits, it's always great because you know that basketball is going to kick into high gear, especially college basketball. And more importantly, we're talking a lot of stuff today. MSU basketball. What's their status? Is this team have the potential to be a number one seed in the tournament? Right now, Joe Lenardi has them as a number five seed in that Midwestern region. How far can this team go in the NCAA tournament? That's something we'll debate here on the Pact. So we'll do that first topic, and then we'll take a little break, and we'll come right back in Lions discussion. What it, what should the Lions do in the NFL draft? Predictions there. Justin Gilbert is your guy. Are they trading up for Sammy Watkins? They don't know. Who knows? And more importantly, we'll bring everyone back. We'll take a quick break. Bring everyone back for the packed round table. And that's going to be exciting because, you know, we're talking women's basketball. A disappointing loss for the ladies in the Big Ten tournament. Couldn't get to the final. But you know what? The most important thing is, will these ladies make the NCAA tournament? Experts do predict that they will. So that's good news. But more importantly, what's the status with the ladies? And, you know, that's something that we'll always talk about really is how far can these ladies go? How far can Susie Merchant's team go? Is this the year that the, are the Lady Spartans really push forward in the NCAA tournament? They haven't really had success in the NCAA tournament, but you know what? A lot of experts, I'm no expert, but I think maybe this is a year that the ladies can poke something through. So we'll see on that. And more importantly, those are the topics we're talking about today. The number I always to call in, 517-432-3893 is our number. Lou behind the glass will be picking up the phone calls, reading them over. So if you guys want to give us a shout-out, or give us a call, please feel free to do so. But guys, the Pact, 88.9 FN WDBME Slanzing. We'll start our topic, and we're talking MSU basketball. We bring in Lou, we bring in Faith, and guys, Michigan State really coming close in a game against Ohio State, but really the 69-67 in the Ohio State Senior Day. 
how fitting was Aaron Kraft in that game. He looked excellent. I know a lot of people don't like Mr. Kraft, but you know what? He's a gritty son of a gun, and he's a great player. He really is. In 37 minutes, 12 points, but 7 assists, forcing turnovers, just giving Michigan State a hassle. 5 turnovers in the last 9 possessions for Michigan State. They couldn't get anything done. Turning the ball over with every play almost down the stretch. They couldn't get anything legitimate. To me, that was the most bothersome thing. So, I don't know. I couldn't really understand why Michigan State kept turning the ball over. The play of some of their big guys. Keith Appling, Faith, you can tell this guy is just not healthy. No, he definitely isn't. And like you were saying, what, one in... Well, he made one shot out of his four. Four. He only took four in the so game. So two points. Two points for Appling. And that's something to debate, Lou, is really where is this team going? You know, Gary Harris, three for nine from the field, 36 minutes, 12 points. It was really Adrian Payne's game. Nine for 19, three for six beyond the arc. You're shooting 50%, but bro, five turnovers to me, that's too many. Regardless of how many points he put up, this team had 16 turnovers total, and Adrian Payne just did not look good down the stretch. No doubt about that. I think it's it's kind of annoying to see these guys who do so well as far as point production go, mm. and then they go and they're our biggest turnover leaders. You know, it, it, it paying this game. Valentine's never led us in points, but he's had good games where he's also followed it up with turnovers that are just inexplicable. So I think that turnovers have been a huge burden. But Appling, I mean, it's it's just sad. It, it's hard to watch because Faith. you know he's injured, and we need him so bad. Faith, what do you think about that? Is Appling a big reason why Michigan State is really pushing through in these games? I can just see in Appling the lack of leadership, and I don't know if that is because of his injury, which I, I do think it is, because you can see he's not as aggressive as approaching the boards, and you know that's he's missing something there for the team just because they're looking to a leader. Who's going to lead them to a championship? Yeah, I mean, I really think the big thing is who is going to step up for this team, guys? Because right now, I don't know how far Michigan State can go in this tournament. I don't know what the expectations are. But, you know, a lot of people are like, Fino, pump the brakes. Right now, the most important thing is this Big Ten tournament, Faith. But to to me, I think how far – I don't even think this team can win the Big Ten tournament. I don't even have them winning the tournament. You don't? I don't have them winning. <laughs> I, I think Michigan wins the tournament. I, I don't have Michigan State winning that tournament either. I no. think I think Michigan wins the Big Ten tournament. And I don't think that should be their focus either. I think their Michigan focus State. should be Michigan State, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think their focus should be trying to go out and win the tournament. I think they need to go out get a couple and get wins. their game back together. I That's what they need. Hey, what do you think? And, and Lou, like you were mentioning, you talked a little bit about the whole you know, turnovers. I mean, Michigan State has had 16 turnovers in the past three games each. So 16 each of the past three games. I mean, the turnovers to me is the biggest issue, guys. Huge. I think they're turn- well, foul trouble too. Yeah, foul trouble as well, Faith. You know, twenty-two foul personal fouls. Ohio State only had twelve. So if you look at the end of the game, Ohio State's in the double bonus. Michigan State is in just the bonus. So Ohio State more disciplined play for them. They wanted this game more, and guess what? Ohio State needed that game yesterday, and they got it. They needed that game, and they got it. And look, you know what? They may not be. You know, they may not have a bye. But you know what? How crazy is that? Nebraska has a bye in the Big Ten tournament, and Ohio State doesn't. That's that's pretty big. Ohio State has to play that extra game. Not to switch topics for a second, but just going back there, I don't think MSU wants that, wanted that game yesterday. And Sharg said off air yesterday, he told me, he goes, Fino, I don't think this game's important. It doesn't matter. I go, Sharg, that game's important yesterday. I think 100% that game was super important, Faith. I agree. And I think any game that you can you know, improve your resume – 
against an Ohio State team, a team that you could go and sweep, I think that's big. I think that's totally big. And you know what? I think Michigan State missed an opportunity. I think it's going to come down to the turnovers if they're really going to make something happen. I mean, you know, Ohio State had 10 steals and scored 21 points off those 16 turnovers. Now, we only lost by two, but still. Those are those are gimme points. Right, Faith, but you look at it too. I agree, it's gimme points. Michigan State loses by two points, but the thing is for me is Ohio State is a, t- a team in the Big Ten that's 10 for 8. They're 10 and 8 in the Big Ten. That's not good for an Ohio State team that had very high standards. Right. They really didn't yeah. have a lot. So when you look at it, Michigan State is 12 and 6 in the Big Ten. They could have been 13 and 5. And obviously, Captain Obvious strikes here, Lou, is 13 and 5, a lot better in the Big Ten. In an 18 game season in the Big Ten, than 12 and six. Well, obviously, but yeah, but I, I don't. I don't. Seating wise, it's bigger. Absolutely, but when you look at this team, I don't think that wins. Obviously, now it's the end of the season; we can't get any more. It would have been nice to have a win, but they got to get their game back together. You know, you got to get back to the fundamentals. You got to get back to rebounding. When the season started, you know, mm-hmm. coaches came in here and they were worried because they were worried about the assist to turnover ratio. You know, coming in, we were at least. Two to one assists to turnovers. Mm-hmm. Sometimes closer to three to one, honestly. And now we're at one and one, where it's dead even. Seventeen. What was that in the Ohio State game? Seventeen assists, sixteen yeah. turnovers. Yep. That's. They're not going to win when they do that. Michigan when, State needs to be better handling the ball. I guess this kind of reminds me of um, back in two thousand five when Izzo's team was kind of ranked in the you know mid teens and twenties for the national rankings, and. You know, their team was 22-6 and six when the tournament began. So I think it definitely is a focus on the NCAA tournament now. But our team, our Michigan State's team right now, is 23-7. and seven. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like there is a little bit of hope for the Spartans. And, you know, people always say, you know, fear is, oh, don't, you know, don't underestimate 23-8, Faith. This team is 23-8. and eight. Oh, 23-8, uh, yeah. yeah, obviously. But no, 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 you're fine. But the <laughs> thing is, I, I agree, Faith, 100%. But the thing is, Michigan State, once upon a time, was a top five team in this nation. Right now, they're standing steady at 22. I would argue this team could, you can argue, it could not even be a ranked team. I think Michigan State has so much struggle. And they have a lot of things going for themselves. But at the same time, when they're healthy, their top five guys are going to produce. But they turn the ball over way too much. And to me, it bothers me. It bothers me that this team, every day, every game, every whatever, they, every week, they're turning the ball over consistently. And they have to cut that out. They have to cut it out. The turnovers are by far the biggest problem, and you know the record. I twenty three and eight, obviously not where they wanted to be, no. but I agree with you that it. I mean, it was a possibility that they were going to be unranked, kind of going into the last couple totally. of games of the season. Totally. I mean, I mean, there's that's a that was a huge that was a huge possibility, but to me, you can't go, you cannot. N- Exclude the fact that once upon a time, and I keep bringing that phrase up, Michigan State had aspirations of being a number one seed and being a top five team in this nation, if healthy. Now, they had injuries, fine. But the point is, this team now is a five seed. I think I think if, if you're Michigan State, it's a good position to be in because you are an over-talented five seed. Or, I'm sorry, an, yeah, you are an over-talented five seed because there is so much more talent on that team that warrants a five seed. I completely agree. See what I'm saying? So... It's kind of like what Joe Lenardi and ESPN said. Look, Oklahoma State with Marcus Smart is going to warrant about a 10 seed in Joe Lenardi and at-large. And the thing is for me is 
Oklahoma State is way better than a 10 seed. Michigan State is way better than a 5 seed. But that they're, the fact that they're a 5 seed, they're going to create catastrophic problems in the tournament. And that's what I think you got to look at the fact. But this team isn't going to do anything, anything, if they cannot cease turning the ball over. Because the big turnovers on possession after possession, despite the, the foul play for Michigan State, they, they could have gone out there and they could have won that game. They really could have won yesterday's game. No, absolutely. The fouls definitely took Dawson out there. He took Valentine out. And Izzo was not happy about that. No. That's two of his no. biggest defensive players. And he's got them both out. They only played 19 minutes each. That's that's terrible. Valentine played 19 minutes on four fouls. Dawson plays 19 minutes on four on three fouls. But Keith Appling is playing on four fouls. Gary Harris is playing on four fouls. Denzel Valentine is playing on four fouls. Guys, they're attacking the rim. They're not stupid. They get it, and you could see it. They are attacking it. They are going down low. Guys, they only took 10 threes yesterday. They were attacking it when they could. They were attacking it. And you know how you know they were attacking it? They shot third. They may had thirty one free throw attempts. Michigan State ten. If that doesn't huge difference. If that doesn't tell you they're attacking, I don't know what does. They're attacking it down low. They're not shooting threes. Michigan State shot twenty threes. Ohio State shoots ten from the field. Ohio State forty nine shots. Michigan State fifty five. But the most important thing there is totally is the free throws. Nine for eight for Michigan State. Ohio State shoots an abysmal sixty two percent or sixty one percent. From the line, but they got 19 points on the line. Michigan State gets nine. That's the game right there. You get more physical and you play, that's how you win the game. Well, why doesn't Michigan State become a little bit more physical? Why not they, give the ball to Dawson? Now, I mean, he's not completely healthy, but he can still use his muscle. Bro, he can use his athleticism. Bro, because he's playing 19 minutes a game. In a 40-minute game, if you're, playing not, if you're not even playing half the game, how can you get physical? Well, I, you know what I'm saying. I'm not. I know up. what you mean. I know what you mean, and I know that the foul trouble is an issue. But they got to sh- shove it right back in their face. You I know, totally... get the ball down, ball down low to pain. Use these big guys because obviously Appling isn't working. And Payne's not... shooting the threes. <laughs> like, I mean, get him down below. I agree. Payne's shooting six threes, but I get it. he's a good free throw. Or free throw. He's a free good three point shooter. Yeah, he's a good free throw shooter as well. <laughs> but he's a good three point shooter. But the thing is, I don't like Payne taking that shot at the last play of the game. They set up Payne for that three. I don't like that play. I understand they're trying to go for it all, but for me, it's Adrian Payne. Get him down low and get him physical. Work off the block. Work off a screen. Do something. To me, I didn't see that physical play. When you're getting Brandon Dawson has five rebounds, he's getting out-rebounded by, uh, by Smith Jr. of Ohio State, eight, board, or eight boards for him. Look, when you're getting out-rebounded by a guard, it's embarrassing. And I understand the fact that he played 35 minutes and that, um, what's it called, Brandon Dawson only plays 19 but look, when it comes down to it, Faith, the reason why, Lou, they're not physical is because they're not playing in the game. When your bigs, your shooting guard, your small forwards are just beriddled with fouls, there's only so much you can do. And then you're stuck with the Costellos. The Trice played 24 minutes. There's no doubt that Trice is a sixth man, but Trice cannot bail you out. Trice bailed Michigan State out one game with 17 points. Forget what game. I think it was the last game before that. But he got bailed out, Faith, and I think that's the key thing for me is understanding the fact is like, where is this team going? What is this team doing? Where is the direction in this team? And to me, they're all over the place. It's hard to see a direction because I was bringing up the fact that they should maybe go to the rim a little bit harder. But then you look at their free throw attempts. You know, say you get fouled, you don't make the shot, and then last game they were they had a pretty good free throw percentage, ninety percent. Yeah, but I mean, then Illinois game you're at thirty. So, so you know, it's a it's one game where Michigan State is almost scared to go to the line. 
because when they get to the line, they have such an abysmal percentage when they get there in such quantity. But here's the thing. When they're not shooting a lot of free throws, they're going to have 90%, and 90% looks, oh, my God, it looks great, Fino. But the thing is, it doesn't look great because you're a physical team. You're huge. You have the Dawsons. You have the Valentines. You have the, the Paynes, big guys that can really make something happen, the Schillings and, and the Costellos and these guys that are big, and you're getting out-rebounded by teams. I, know, I, I understand that you're getting out-rebounded by, by Ohio State, but the thing is, you have to play more physical basketball if this team is going to expect to go far because that's their key to beating these big teams is getting down low, forcing them in foul trouble, and lengthening the game because that's when you can let your shooters play ball in space and that's how you develop separation from the paint from the line. And to me, until we see that, Michigan State will continue to struggle and scrape by opponents or lose. I completely agree. I think the free throws, I mean, it's bad. (laughs) Obviously, it's, it's the comical. rebounds, they're terrible. It's comical. All of the things that we've been saying it all year, all the things that have made we've Michigan State teams, year. Michigan State teams, it's just not there this year. You want to hear something funny, guys? This, the Michigan State teams of the past would always be in the top 20s in the nation in rebounding. This team is 69th in the nation in rebounding. Wow. So they only average 37.1 rebounds per game, and that's not good. That's really not good because when for a Michigan State Tom Izzo team, that's not acceptable. That's really not acceptable. And on top of it, from the field, they're shooting thir- you know forty seven percent, and that's thirty ninth in the nation. That's good. That's okay. That's just merely okay. But for the Michigan State standard, that's just not acceptable. That's not, totally not acceptable. In assists per game, that's their niche. Seventeen assists per game. They have great guard play. They're sixth in the nation. That's exceptional. But the problem is Michigan State is getting out rebounded, and that's due to the fact where Michigan State's had their guys out. Dawson's been out. Payne's been out. Um, you know these guys that usually rebound for them are out. So to me, if this team is going to take it to the next level, Faith, they have to out rebound teams and they have to play more physical. Get down and dirty. Get a little grit. And if you think about it, like you said, you know, you've Come had Payne out. You've had all these Dawson out. Mm-hmm. Michigan State had only two players, Denzel Valentine and Schilling. They've only played – they are the only two players that have played all 30 games for this – for Michigan State right. this season. I mean, and who would have predicted that? No one. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't have. I mean, it, it's – Yeah, thank God Schilling's been healthy. Yeah, right? <laughs> Don't even get me started. But the thing is, it's a – you know, you've relied on so many guys. Like, Trice has been in and out. Dawson's been obviously out with that hand or whatever it was. Valentine, you know, Gary Harris, Keith Appling. It's been injury bug. And we've been saying, oh, the injuries. But the excuses are over, guys. The gig's up. Yeah, excuses are definitely over. It's March now. This is, this is not... Just get the chemistry together. This is, not de- this is not December basketball. This is not November basketball playing Kentucky. This is... March basketball. Now it's March. And against ranked up, I would, I've been so disappointed with Michigan State. Okay, they sweep Iowa this year, but Iowa was a great team this year. They beat them in overtime at Iowa, at Iowa, at home, at home, at home. When they did it when they were, you know, at Iowa, when they were 15th in the nation, and they beat them in overtime. Great. They beat Iowa on senior day. Excellent. They get swept by Michigan. Not excellent. Ohio State, they split with them when they could have easily beat them. They lose to UNC at um, out of conference, but at the Breslin Center. I understand that. Uh, they beat a Kentucky team at the time. Once upon a time, they were ranked one. One in the nation. But to me, the team where it came down to Michigan State against ranked opponents was just merely just all right for Michigan State standard. I don't like the fact that Michigan State got 
you know, swept by the University of Michigan. I think Michigan is just a better team, and they deserve it. And that's why they're a one seed. And that kind of leads Faith into our next discussion is where you see Michigan State in this Big Ten tournament. Do you see them winning? I've obviously been pretty vocal about where I think they're going to finish. I see them losing the championship game against Michigan because I just don't see it right now. If I had to pick in this moment, I don't see Michigan State winning. And it's not that I'm just trying – I'm trying to be objective. I really am. No, I completely agree with you. I know we were talking a little bit about Mm -hmm. – before we were on air, um, just the lineup for for the tournament. And I think Michigan State could go to the championship, but they will lose. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. You're you're saying who gets there? Who? So you're saying they get to the championship? That's barring, barring they defeat. Okay, whoever Iowa Northwestern North Iowa yeah, wins that Iowa game. Iowa will win. Yeah. Michigan State beats Iowa three versus six. Mm-hmm. Michigan. Okay, so Wisconsin and Michigan State in that in that uh, semifinal. That's going to be a close game. I think Michigan State squeaks Prevail. it out against prevails against a Badger team, and then to the championship game. I think they place off against a Michigan. But I think the team to watch out for in Michigan State's favor is a Nebraska team. If Nebraska can keep their Cinderella, they have a lot to play for in Nebraska. They, they just coming off a senior day upset, which I don't know if you saw, there was a proposal in that game. One of the, one of the guys, I forget who it was. Did you see that, Lou, that proposal? I just, see the, I just saw the opening clip. I don't know who was involved, but yeah, I saw it. It was one of the seniors for Nebraska. I forget who it was, but he proposed for his girlfriend on senior day. Oh. <laughs> and she said yes. Happy relationships, right? Good so, for them. Yeah, great for them. Um, so, yeah, so coming off that game, they had a lot to play for. The marriage, I guess. The senior day. They're trying to make the NCAA tournament for the first time since a long time. I forget. I think it's like 20-something years. Most importantly, they're, they're trying to get to the dance. They have a lot to play for. Ohio State versus Purdue. You're most likely going to look at a 4-5 to five matchup. Nebraska versus Ohio State. Now, if Nebraska can win that game and Michigan beats whomever, Indiana or Illinois, in that quarterfinal, you have a Michigan and Nebraska. Now, if Michigan somehow falls to Nebraska, I think that falls into Michigan State's favor because I can't see him losing to Nebraska again. They only played him once. so yes, I, but they lost. And they lost. So I cannot see Michigan State losing to Nebraska twice in a season. I would never see the day. I think they were just caught surprise. They're going to be ready, Lou. So that's my only thing. Michigan State wins the tournament if Nebraska beats Michigan. If not, Michigan will win the tournament. I would agree that Michigan has a chance to win the tournament. I think they'll win their side of the bracket. But I think you're overlooking Wisconsin a little bit too much. I think Michigan State might have a little bit of trouble with this Badger squad. The problem with the, the, problem with the Badgers to me is, first of all, the thing with Wisconsin is Michigan State only played Wisconsin once. They are a totally different team when they play at the Kohl Center than they do on the road and on neutral court. It's a different I – don't, I don't know. I don't know anymore. I don't know how that works. But I'm just saying Wisconsin is a different team on the road and on a neutral court. They got smoked. I, I, it's not really smoked. They lost by nine but or whatever it was. I can't – I promise you I can add. Yeah, they lost by nine. So they lost to nine against a Nebraska team. But look. You look at the record. They lost Ohio State at home. Fine. At Illinois, they win. At Michigan, they win. That's an impressive win for for Wisconsin. At Iowa, they win. So you know what? What Beaver or Beaver fans? Badger fans can come at me and be like, you know what, Fino? They are winning on the road this year. But I'm telling you, off it, based off experience, they are. I don't think they are the same team. Now, believe it or not, once upon a time, this Wisconsin team did beat Florida. Way early in the season, November 12th, they beat a Florida team. But look, 
at Minnesota, they lose. At Indiana, they lose. It's just those games were at Nebraska, they lose. And that's where their, their six losses have come from. They were on a huge streak, and then they started losing a little bit. They lost that. They dropped three in a row, and everyone's like, whoa. When they drop in five of their last six, they were a different team. To me, I don't know. I'm not sold on Wisconsin. I, I'm just worried that Michigan State not is going to have trouble because of the way that they finish the season. I think in every sport, you've seen it. At least I've seen it. The teams that limp into the postseason generally do not do well. They might win a few games. Maybe they do all right in the tournament. I don't think okay. they'll do well in the Big Ten tournament. Hopefully, but that's the thing. I think they need to find their game during this Big Ten tournament or else they're going to lose early on in the NCAA tournament. All right, let me ask you this. Do you think Michigan State right now is limping? I think so. I mean, fit? Yes. Okay, that's without a doubt. I w- we agree on that. <laughs> now, going forward, let's just say they lose in the Big Ten tournament. They're 23-9. and They lose their game somehow to Iowa, assuming Iowa wins because Northwestern is horrible. Now... They're 23-9. and nine. What seed is that? In the NCAA tournament, what seed does that warrant? I would say a six seed. I'd say six, maybe six, five. Six, seven? Probably. But seven, Faith? The thing is, how far do you see this team going? What is your expectation for Michigan State right now? NCAA- right now, honestly, in the NCAA tournament, I see them going to Sweet 16. I said Elite Eight, but the fact that you said Sweet 16 kind of raises my eyebrow a little bit because maybe I'm overranking Michigan State a little bit. I don't know what you think. I, I Honestly, I don't know because this team has been so unpredictable. But it really see, has, but, hasn't it? But four of the last ten games they've won only. Four of the last ten. They've been kind of crappy. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. Yeah. And I think limping is kind <laughs> of an understatement. And so we, once, once this Big Ten tournament starts, I think everyone will be able to give a better prediction because I really do believe – I don't. I don't care if they win the tournament, the Big Ten tournament. That is. You really, I just want to see them right. get their game together. I want them st- to see them stop turning the ball over, start to make free throws, start to attack the basket. Okay. Then maybe it'll change my mind. All right. So, all right. So you say Sweet Sixteen. I say Elite Eight. Faith. What do you got? I think definitely Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight, so maybe. I'm, but again, you got to see where the cards fall. You know where everybody's plays. So you think I'm pushing it? Elite Eight is a push right now. Yeah. I, you know, I, want- I don't see Final Four. Oh. Oh, absolutely not. If anyone thinks that people are telling me in Spanish class today, they go, Fino, are you booking your ticket to Dallas? I go, what? <laughs> Dallas? I'm like, no, I'm going to join Sam at Southwest Southwest in Austin because there's no way, which I would never do, Sam. But the thing is, to me, I don't know. I don't really understand the fact that people are already booking their ticket to Dallas. I think it's safe to say, Faith, that when you look at it, I think this team has some – Final four aspirations. And that streak that's on the line with Michigan State, with all, every senior class reaching the final four, that it's safe to say, I think this is the year that the streak breaks without a doubt. This is the year I think the streak breaks. You heard it here on the, on the pack. March 10th, 2014. Fino says it's over. We'll take a quick break here on the pack, 88.9 FN. We're WDBME Slanzing. We're talking Lions. You're listening to The Pact on 88.9 FM, WDBM, East Lansing. For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. A lot of gamers look at you as a game member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student, 
as a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to BoostUp.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. BoostUp.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's Progressive Torch and Twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to coverage of Spartan sports like never before as we embrace the Spartan debate here on The Pack. That is right, everyone. Welcome back to the Pact. I'm your host, Fino, alongside every Monday from 7, 8 p.m. 517-432-3893 is our number to call in. So if you want to give us a ring, 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 ring a ding, ling, give us a little call here on the Pact in the basement of Holden Hall, Michigan State University. So we ended our Michigan State segment. We bring in two of our other panelists, Harry Jaden, Austin Goodman, for a little Lions talk. And I think this is really interesting for me about the Lions is because, guys— with the Lions, I think there's a lot of questions, really. To me, the most important thing with the Lions is, what are they going to do in the NFL draft? Obviously, Ford, you know, the owner of the Lions did pass away yesterday, so we want to give our condolences to the Ford family. That's the most important thing we want to do before we open up our Lions talk. We know how much the Ford family has done for the Lions and the city. You know, despite the success record of the Lions, I think there's no owner that has given the passion and the pride of the Lions than the Ford family. So from the condolences from everyone from the Pact and Impact Sports, I think that's something very important in our prayers with them. And even for the commitment to the team itself, in the struggles that the Detroit Lions have had for the past 50 years, I mean, he has stayed committed to the team. And, you know, God bless. May you rest in peace, you know? Without a doubt. Um, you know, that being said, there's still football to be played next year. There's still drafting to be done. There's still free agents potentially to be side for the Lions. And guys, what should this team be looking for in the NFL draft? What should this team be looking at? What should they be looking to acquire in NFL free agency here? I mean, most importantly, let's bring in our draft discussion. What do you think the Lions should do in this draft, Harry? I think, I mean, I know I have my opinion. We'll get yours in first. But to me, I think the Lions need to do something big here in this draft. I definitely agree. Um, we all can agree. I'm guessing that the biggest needs in the Lions team is their wide receivers mm-hmm. and their secondary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just preference of which one they draft and I think first yeah. yeah which one they draft first and whoever they don't draft first I think they need to get the other they need to fill the other through free agency so if they draft Can't a wide receiver that. I think they need to get a cornerback through free agency if they draft a cornerback they need to get a wide receiver through free agency but the person that I like I actually like MSU cornerback Darquez Denard you like I him? think I think that taking him at 10 would be would be a little stretch but I think we can you trade gotta, down yeah. get another second round pick maybe even a first if a person is desperate to, say, get a guy like Mike Evans, if he's still on the board, some teams might be desperate to get a big wideout like him. I think we can get some good value by trading down, get an extra draft pick, and get a guy in the lower rounds. I know that's what great teams like the Patriots have been doing for years. No, is, I can't stand the not, Patriots. Is not <laughs> taking the big picks in the first round, rather trading them away and getting second, third round, fourth round value through their scouts. And I think we have the scouts to do that. I think we've been doing, we've been improving since the Matt Millen days in the draft, mm-hmm. and I think we have the people in place, a culture in place to develop talent like that. So Harry, are you saying that you would pick a wide receiver in your first round or a cornerback in your I first round? I would assume round? he's a, a cornerback. You're saying a corner. I think we should trade down, and I think around 
the 18 spot, 19 spot, where we can still get a cornerback, if not Darquez Denard, maybe a guy like Roby from Ohio State, who was a great cornerback. He's who great. Didn't have a, who didn't have a great uh, last season at Ohio State. Yeah, but, but did, did, did Jamie on Clowney had a good senior season? Exactly. No. Exactly. So you, you, you draft mm-hmm. talent. The talent is there, exactly. And I think that wide receiver isn't an immediate need because Calvin Johnson had a phenomenal year. People say we need a wide receiver next to him, but he's doing great with these triple, double teams on him. It does, I mean... You could line up anybody next to him, and he'd still do great. So I don't think that's ever going to be a problem, the passing game in these. Here's my take here. You, so you like Darquez Denard, mm-hmm. okay, at that 10. Now, I forget more. Not at 10, not at 10. Not okay, at 10. okay. I think we well, trade down. So you like your bet as your first-round pick. Thank you yes. for correcting me. Now, for me, I see Darquez Denard going around 24 to Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think that's where he goes. Mm-hmm. He's a good fit there. They like corner play. They need more physical corners there. You know, new new coordinator there. Don Zimmer leaves. So my my thing is, if you're going to trade down, bro, you have to trade above 24. Honestly, I wouldn't even try to an, analyze the trading down and that whole well, kind of I, situation. Well, I'm just breaking it down but, for our listeners. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, for me personally, my opinion on the situation, I've been an avid Lions fan for many years. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I take away that Lions fan-esque when I look at the draft because the Lions are, you know, they're known for having a poor draft. And for okay. me, I really think that although the Lions have usually made poor choices with a first-round wide receiver, except for Calvin Johnson, that this season they need to pick a wide receiver. Because if you pick a cornerback, you're throwing another young cornerback into your secondary, which is already filled with young guys. Yeah, but none of, none of these standard, though. None of these caliber. No one, in your, no one in the Lions' secondary has a cornerback of this stature. Exactly. The last... The last pick we've had in the first round that was a uh, cornerback was in 1997. Yeah. So that goes to show where our where our priorities have been. We've been drafting a lot of wide receivers. I, that's well documented. Some busts, some some great players like Calvin Johnson. But I think yeah, you got a Hall of Famer. It's so it time to out. get talent in the secondary, not just guys that are just stop gaps for a couple guys, of years. And just but this out of is the league. it's talent in college. You know there are plenty of players. You don't know. That, you got to take the risk. It, bro. Exactly. You don't know. You do have to take the risk. But I would rather put my money for Mike Evans if we're talking about a bet here than somebody. You know, some Fair. random cornerback that might not pan out. I don't even think Mike Evans slips to ten. I really do. Yeah, I, think, I think I, I, I think I, he gets picked up by Buffalo the pick before. If you if you really want me to break it down, there's two guys though I like for the Lions. I mm-hmm. do like secondary. Two guys. If I'm Justin Gilbert, cornerback out of Oklahoma State, I love, and I think he'd be a great fit for the Lions. Physical, great corner. Yep. He's just a good player. He's I athletic. Mean, if he's still there at ten, that's I'm assuming that he's going to get picked before ten because I mean he posted the best numbers oh, out of any quarterback in the is, combine. He's bigger, he's stronger, he's faster than Denard, so and, I think he's not going to be oh, there. Oh, he outperformed Debquez Denard in the combine without a doubt. And yeah. we're Michigan State, people were telling you that. Absolutely. And there's another guy that I do like, and I think you're going to like this too, Goody, because mm-hmm. we've spoken about this. Ha-ha Clinton Dix as mm-hmm. a safety. Yep. I do like him. Yep. I have him going 14 out of Alabama, but anyone that's Alabama-ready is going to pan out. Mm-hmm. If you look at last year, the, I agree. the top Alabama secondary was D. Milliner. And add the Jets picked him last year, and he had a slow start, but he really picked it up at the end of the season. There's no doubt in my mind that Haha Clinton Dix will see success immediately in the NFL. You know, I was thinking about the cornerback earlier. You know, in the free agency, a little bit earlier, pre-draft days, and you know, it really does look to me that you know you would obviously want to pick that cornerback and fill up that secondary. I'm still confident on either you know. I really like Mike Evans, and I really think you that like he him. can drop to the Lions. I think that they'll get him at number 10. 
But you said Justin Gilbert, and Justin Gilbert is a great, He's great cornerback. And if the Lions were to be able to scoop up somebody like Justin Gilbert, Mike Evans and Sammy Watkins are off the board, then that would be my number one pick. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I agree with you 100% there. But I think the Lions need wideout help, a youthful wideout help, rather than youthful cornerback help. There's no doubt. And, you know, you'd be happy to know the fact that our own – the mock draft at MSU Impact Sports' mock draft, our own Louis Pilata, the co-host of the Lions' Den, he has the Lions picking Mike Evans as well, and I'll quote him. The big six foot five receiver should steer some of this coverage away from Megatron. Evans does the same care, has some, some character issues, but the Lions' new coaching staff should straighten him out. Marquez Lee is another option here, but last year he struggled with a knee injury, and the Lions could not afford to draft another player who has potentially become injury-prone. End quote. I do like those statements, mm-hmm. but you know what? Character issues again with the Lions, but look, I don't think character issues should be a reason why you shouldn't pick a Mike Evans. I think with this new coaching staff, there's going to be a little more swagger. There's going to be a little more coaches that are going to really focus in, tranquilize these guys, and get them locked in, Harry. And there's also going to be a lot more discipline. It oh, yeah. Well known that That's Jim one thing Shorts that I've liked about Jim Caldwell yeah. since we got him. Yeah, Jim Caldwell is a professional. And I think that I'm not worried about picking a wide receiver in the draft because I think we can get one in free agency. Guys like Edelman the, from New York. He, bro, was a, he was a viable option for New York for a couple years. Hakeem Nix. Bro, what know, about guys, Eric Decker? Yeah, Eric Decker. That's an him. option. If, I know Macklin just resigned, for, but that was too one much. Guy. Yeah, so these guys are proven. You're not taking any risk with these guys. These guys are proven. If they're not number one, they're number two receivers. And, and Detroit right now has to be a, a very, very popular destination for receivers when – Calvin Johnson is uh, seeing triple teams, double teams, so these receivers are seeing that, and they're like, I'm going to get some single coverage. I can put up some numbers in Detroit with Matt, Matt Stafford slinging that ball around. Or are they thinking Matt Stafford had kind of a poor end of his season last season. Is he going to be able to get me the ball? I think, are we going to uh, be able to have a, my, a dominating I offense? Think, I think a Jim Caldwell hire at your head coaching position that just nullifies all that thought. That is very true. He, he I true. wouldn't say nullifies it, but it, it makes you feel a little bit better, but not 100%. I'm telling you, if there's one guy that can coach a quarterback, it's Jim Caldwell. I know we've been debated on the show about I that, but I that. promise you, I promise you, if I'd have, I will bet the bank that Stafford throws over 5,100 yards next year. I'll bet the bank. That's a huge bet. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. Caldwell, there's he, no argument. He's done argument. it before. Oh, absolutely. There's no argument I am that not... he's a great quarterbacks coach. I think that's that's a not under argument. And Matt Stafford, he has the, the physical tool set to get the ball to receivers. I think it's just having the receivers in place. So I think these guys do know that Matt Stafford is a respected, although he throws too many interceptions, I think he's a respected quarterback and these guys would love having Matt Stafford throw that deep ball to him. I think that Jim Caldwell and that coaching staff can really refine Matthew Stafford's throwing arm and his decision making. I think that is by far Matthew Stafford's biggest problem is his decision making. He is a great passer. He has a very strong arm. He well, there's get no doubt, that there's ball. no doubting that. Absolutely. And I just think that's the that's the last straw. But if you can't get that last piece to come together, then nobody's going to want to come and play with you. The reason I say we need to draft a cornerback, and this is just my reasoning, is we didn't lose games because of our offense last year. We lost games because of our defense. We brought in Reggie Bush, who was injured a little bit, but he had a great season. Joyke Bell is also a viable mm-hmm. option at running back. Calvin Johnson is going to get his yards. The passing game is going to be going no matter what if you have Calvin Johnson. Yep. So if we can clamp down on defense, we have a great defensive line. Mm-hmm. Dominican Sue, Ziggy, thing, my all thing, those players. My thing with the Lions is there's two things that are the key for the Lions. Defensively, you look at discipline. We can all we can all sit here and just not even debate and just honestly be like, you're right, Fino. That it you're more dis, you're more disciplined 
You don't turn, you know, not turn the ball over, but you know, no flags, no penalties, no dumb, stupid mm-hmm. personal fouls. You play more disciplined yeah. football. You're already better defensively. You're very better defensively. On top of that, you add a little second secondary, so I don't have to stare at Chris Houston. <laughs> Honestly. So, Honestly, you get some better secondary play. You get. I don't know. I, I mean, to look, you can go out and acquire immediate help in the free agency market with a wide receiver, a Decker, a Knicks, a Julian Edelman, a Golden Tate. Fine. Replacement officials. But the thing is, <laughs> to me, is if you add a cornerback in the draft with pure talent, Gilbert, Dix, I know Dix is a safety, but those are two guys for me good that stand out. That can get you to play and compete immediately. Absolutely. And what I'm thinking right now is, you know, we keep talking about that first-round draft pick, and I think that the biggest issue for the Lions that they need to take care of outside of, you know, of course, their wideouts and their cornerbacks are is their offensive line. No doubt. No doubt. And we have a caller here on the pact, as always. You know the number, 517-423-393. So let's bring him on the air. You're live on the pact. This is Fino. Who's calling? Hi, this is Zach. Uh, I go to Michigan State. Nice. What's going on, Zach? Nothing. Uh, just wondering what you guys thought. Uh, if we're possibly drafting Sammy Watkins, then... What are we doing about our secondary? And uh, we also have some linebacker issues. I just want to see what you guys thought for a first-round pick. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, thanks for the call. Well, I, yep. the, the thing is for me is when I really look at it, I think Sammy Watkins, though, Harry, I think I know there was a whole thing about him on the Instagramming front, this jersey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but to me, if you draft the Sammy Watkins, which would be a stretch, you have to overpick that, what are you going to do about the secondary? I think you've got to go out and acquire it in free agency if not drafted second round. And, and my deal exactly. with drafting Sammy Watkins is he's not going to be there at 10. That's I think that's just pretty much a, a fact at this point. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to trade up, and they're probably going to have to trade up with either second-round picks, including this year's first round, or another first-round pick on top of that. And you saw it with the Falcons a couple years ago who picked Julio Jones. They gave the house, I think it was to the Browns. I'm not 100% sure about that. Uh-huh. But in the end, they did get Julio Jones, but the rest of their team just struggled I mean, this past year they disappoint. They were disappointing. I think that's because they gave up too much. And we have to understand this is one player. This is one wide receiver. When we already have a great one, absolutely. And I really think another area. And I was, you know, starting to get on the offensive line before we got the caller from Zach. I think that the biggest part of the offense that needs to get taken care of when it comes to catching the ball is Brandon Pettigrew. And he's a tight end. And he's a tight end that just cannot catch a ball. I mean, last season was truly. In my eyes, one of the most pathetic seasons I've ever seen out of a tight end. Pettigrew caught 41 passes for 416 yards and two touchdowns in 14 games. I'm sorry, but that's just not doing the job. And and that's a that's a first round pick wide receiver tight end. Same thing we've had Roy Williams, who had a decent career in Detroit. Afterwards, he flamed out. Mike yep. Williams, who was terrible. Charles Rogers, who was terrible. Calvin Johnson was pretty much the only pass catcher who turned out to be a great player. I'm just iffy on the Lions' evaluation of pass catchers. I think they need to rethink that. I know Matt Millen's out, but with guys like that, with a history like that, I think they just give it up, go with something new. Definition of insane is trying to do the same thing over and over and try and get a different different well, result. Well, before Zach, let me ask you one more question before we let you go. Yeah. Okay, so you dra- Okay, so you like Sammy Watkins in that first round pick. What yeah. would you do about the secondary? You've heard our opinions. What would you do about it? Honestly, I think all we need right now is a solid, solid safety. I know our cornerbacks are young. You got to give them time to, you know, learn the system. You know, get used to all the players around them. You got to their chemistry needs to get a lot better. You got to give them time. You can't just cut them off yet. But now that Delmas is out, you know, you got to look to, you know, maybe a safety on the Browns. I forget his exact name, but 
uh, we've been talking and kind of like trying to figure out his contact and you know like mm-hmm. with our cap spaces too we're trying to figure that out and uh, I don't know some some veteran that can come in you know be a presence maybe not he right. might not be the biggest flashy name but someone that knows the game someone that could teach the youngins the the cornerbacks on the team and maybe even like get some chemistry with some young linebackers mm-hmm. that we could possibly draft. You know, someone that totally. can be the captain, someone that can be the voice of the defense. Well, well, yeah, Zach, it's good thoughts. Thanks for calling on the pact as always. But, you know, yeah. the, the thing is, guys, I think when you really look at it, to me, the most important thing is is really looking at what you're going to draft, what you're going to pick. And I think, okay, if you draft and pick a – or, you know, you go and acquire a safety – you like your safety play, but the thing is for me is you got to go out and draft one, which is why I think the Lions really can go out and draft a safety and just acquire some free ag- for some help in free agency if you're looking at the offensive front. I don't know what you guys think on that. I mean, if you want to draft a safety, you know, you got a guy in Wa- from Washington State University, Dion Bucan, and, and he's a safety. I mean, he will fill that hole that Louis Delmas has left. I mean, it, okay. In my eyes, I never thought that Louis Dumas was going to pass out, you know, pan out because of so many injury issues throughout his entire career, and it just kind of left him hanging almost. And you know, I think that Dion could really come in. He proved, you know, everybody was saying that he's too slow to make moves. And for me, this would be our second round draft pick. I'm, you know, going a little deeper in the draft okay. here. He ran a four four nine, and and that. that for a forty yard dash, that's pretty good. I mean, you it's not want, bad. yeah. I mean, it's it's decent. And that's, everybody was saying he's slow, word. and it's decent. And the Lions, in their second round, picking up a safety, they, you know, they're going to need decent. If you're saying that they want to wide out in the first round, you got to cover up that secondary with at least something, which somebody, is, which is somewhere. Why I like, which is why I like the Lions picking Jordan Matthews out of Vanderbilt in the second round, a receiver. You pick your receiver there. You nurture a guy. He's not a bad talent. You go out and acquire a receiver in free agency. You draft Clinton Dix. Um, the safety at Alabama, or you draft Justin Gilbert, you acquire everyone, or you flip it around, get a receiver in the first round, and then you look at it, Deion Bailey. You look at a LaMarcus Joyner. You look at these guys that can play better, you know, football. I have a question for you, Fino. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're saying so many different things here. What do you think? Okay. Honestly, what do you think is the biggest issue for the Lions? Is it their free agency or is it the draft? What do you Where think? can they make the biggest moves? Where can they improve their team the most? The draft. And the reason why I say the draft is because the Lions uh, secondary is weak. Um, Harry said it. They haven't drafted a cornerback in the first round since 97. There's a big a bit, There's a big chance you can get one of the best cornerbacks, if not the best corner, in the draft. You go out and get Justin Gilbert. He's there. You improve your secondary immediately. That's where you build your team, the draft. And the free agency, you supplement your holes that you don't pick the draft with. So I think it's the draft. I like that. And and not all the reason I say trade down is because not all teams are built on high draft picks. You can only have one first-round pick. A lot of the teams, you find a you find a Russell Wilson, what was that, third round? I mean, a lot of teams, they're, they're great players. They're found in the later rounds. You see it in the Spurs in basketball. They find a lot of late, late values, and that's why they're always always hanging around in that, in that championship game mix is because they can turn players that were supposed to be mediocre into, into, if not stars, great role players, just maximizing the value. And that's why the Lions need to do is – Start to find more value in those second, third, fourth round picks because that's where true teams, true champions are built. And I, look, I agree. I disagree with the fact with you that you think they should trade down and get Darquez Denard. I think we're being too Michigan State homer here. I could mm-hmm. care less about Darquez Denard. Well, I think that Darquez Denard would 
do a great but, job. In but the he's not. Line. But but I just think Justin Gilbert's a better cornerback. That's a reasonable statement. I mean, he put a better he put up a better show. I, I agree. Think, I, I think agree. he's just a better quarterback. But if if Gilbert's off the board, a lot of mock drafts have him off. You, if if you don't want Dark West Nar, you can get Roby. You can get. Kyle Fuller out of Virginia Tech. You can get Jason Barrett out of TCU. There are a lot of there are a lot of cornerbacks in that late first round, early second round area that you can pick. pick yeah, but up. I have a man crush on Justin Gilbert. I think by far, <laughs> I, I think he's by, a great kick returner I, too. Six uh, career kickoff returns. I by touchdowns. far think he's the best corner in the draft. It's yeah. not it's not even close. He's the top cornerback in the draft. You go out and get him. He kind of reminds me of a Darrell Revis coming out of Pittsburgh. Top corner in that draft was picked around 15, and what a talent he was. Now, forget the attitude problem with, you know, new contract every two years. But to me, I think you can go out and improve your team vastly with a Justin Gilbert. Closing thoughts, good. Me keep it quick. 30 seconds. You know, I'm still going to keep my pick, and I think that the Lions are going to go after Mike Evans if he's still on the board. Like I said, I agreed with you earlier. If he's not, Justin Gilbert, but I wouldn't count out Darquez Denard. Mm-hmm. Closing thoughts, what do you got? All I hope is that this draft turns out to be good. As a Detroit Lions fan, we've failed so many times that all we can really hope for is a good draft. And whoever they draft, I hope it works out. Well, the good news is I do think it's going to work out for this team. I think this team really pushes forward. And I think the draft is a place where you can absolutely set your standard here and improve your team vastly, whether it's a Justin Gilbert, a Sammy Watkins, um, a Mike Evans, Trey Down, Darquez Denard. Guys, that's the beauty of debate. Anything can happen in the draft. We've seen it all, really. But as always, we'll continue debating on the pack as we embrace the Spartan debate. We'll take a quick debate. We'll bring everyone back here, a little packed roundtable. We're talking women's basketball, Michigan State women's basketball. What is their MO for this tournament? We'll find out. We'll debate only on the pack. You're listening to the pack on 88.9 FM, WDBM, East Lansing. smoking helpline. Yes, I need to start smoking right away. Excuse me? I need to start smoking. Well, actually, it's the Stop Smoking Helpline. The people in the apartment next to mine smoke three packs a day and it drives me crazy. So I'm thinking four packs will do it. I think you want mysmokefreeapartment.org. It gives you the information you need to work toward a smoke-free apartment building. A smoke-free building? Without all that smoking? Uh, yeah, that's right. Make your apartment smoke-free without making a stink. Mysmokefreeapartment.org. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Wednesday nights from 8 until midnight, it's the Impact's Accidental Blues, your source for great blues music, news, and concert information. Only on Impact Primetime. Hola, my name is Esperanza. After a tragic incident, I was forced from a life of riches in Mexico to a life of poverty in the United States. My mother has become ill and we have become separated from our family. Now I must work for both of us to try to bring the rest of our family together. My name is Esperanza and I am trying to survive. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Esperanza Rising by Pam Muñoz Ryan. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. And now back to the pact here on 88.9 FM. That is right, everyone. We are back on the Pact on 88.9 FM, WDBM East Lansing. I'm your host, Fino, and we're bringing everyone back here on the Pact Roundtable. Quick thoughts, got to let the phone number if you want to call in. 517-432-3893 is our number. Please feel free to give us a call if you want to debate with us. But guys, we bring everyone back, as I just mentioned, about women's basketball. 
They did lose in the championship game against the Nebraska team. Oh, I'm sorry, not a semifinal championship game. They didn't get there. Um, <laughs> they Iowa, Nebraska, and Iowa played in the championship game. But guys, semifinal Michigan State, the 19th ranked Michigan State, now 22. But guys, they look terrible. Um, against the Nebraska team, first half, what was that? 50-27 to 27 at the end of the first half in that semifinal game. It was atrocious. Susie Merchant had to get her ladies in order because they did not look any but, bit organized. Turnovers, just pushing the ball, missing shots. It just did not look good in that game. But that's not really what I want to debate here. They lose that game. They're sitting very pretty at 22-9 and nine now. 33, 13-3 oh, in the Big Ten. Guys, where does Michigan State fall now in this bracketology? Now, Charlie Cream, ESPN Bracketology for Women's College Basketball, has Michigan State floating at a very pretty five seed, playing a Princeton team in the Lincoln Regional. So I thought that was an interesting take, and I want to know what you guys think the expectation for these Michigan State Spartans in the tournament, Faith. Well, I definitely think that what they haven't made it past the second. No, with Susie Merchant, they have not gotten past the second round. Okay. So I definitely think the team definitely has potential. They've got Pickrell, um, Clarissa Bell, yeah, Anye, how, how do you say her name? What? A- Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not, sure, not <laughs> one, quite sure. One of the what freshman girls say. definitely stepped up last game. Who mm. um, they had the spotlight on, and then so I think they do have some key players that can make plays. But we'll see where it goes. I mean, I totally agree. I mean, I think you really look at it. They're going to make this tournament. There's not a doubt. They've only been. To, oh well, Susie Merchant. Uh, I, let me get a little correction here. I did say they haven't got past the second round. I meant the Sweet 16. In Susie Merchant's second year, they made it to the Sweet 16 and they lost. But they've gone to the second round often. Every year they've gotten eliminated in the second round for the past four years. So the furthest they've been is the Sweet 16. Where is – the Bucks got to start somewhere, Goodman. You know, Fino, I think you're being a little bit hard on this ladies team. I mean, the, the last two games that they have lost were both against Nebraska. Oh, well, Nebraska's a better team. There's no doubt about it. Exactly, but, but they're winning – most of their other games on the stretch. I mean, since January 26th, there were only two losses have been against Nebraska. And, you know, I really think that Nebraska just has that over Michigan State. Now, can the Lady Spartans make it past the Sweet 16? That's a debatable topic. I would have to agree with you that they're not going to make it past that Sweet 16, but they played pretty well going down the stretch. They did. I mean, when it really comes down to it, they're gonna if they're gonna get past the Sweet Sixteen, they're in a collision course with the Lady Vols. Now that team is the spirit of Pat Summit, and I know Coach Summit doesn't coach anymore, but that's a very tough team to beat, is Tennessee. Yep. And and my whole deal with this women's team is, yeah, they won the Big Ten championship, but the Big Ten wasn't that strong this year. They're the highest seeded team according to Charlie Cream Bracketology at five. So with a parity that's not quite there in women's in women's basketball. I feel like if they meet a team in the Sweet 16 who's a one seed, who's a two seed, three seed, a higher seed who they're probably going to have to play because they're not getting a one or two seed, mm-hmm. they're not. They're going to have a tough time. I think the team's just going to be flat out better than them. So I think Sweet 16 is the best case scenario. I hope they prove me wrong, obviously, being a Spartan, but they, yeah, they uh, Sweet 16 is best case. I agree with you there because the consistency rate, and they lose in the clutch. But I mean, guys, you got to have consistency with a team, though. you you got to start somewhere. It's not just Sweet 16 or just die. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but, I mean, you know, you you said it yourself. They haven't made it past the Sweet 16. And, you know, they With lost. With Coach fi- Merchant. Yeah, well, they lost five games to ranked teams this season. They've only won three of them against ranked teams this season. I mean, that that's something you got to look at right there. Once they get to the depth of the tournament, can they actually boss up against the other ladies? 
And not to mention they're coming off one of their most lopsided losses this season. I mean, 86 to 58, you know, they, against, they beat, against them, they beat them once, though. That's true. They beat them once. But to go now into the tournament with that one thought. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, there's no doubt it scares you, Harry Jaden, because Faith mentioned it. 86 to 58, completely lopsided game. I don't know what that was. But then when they went to Nebraska and played, they lost by 20. 70, it was back in February. 76-56. So they got killed. So Nebraska, do they have their number? But they beat them once. That's my take. It's, it's weird. And, and and on the men's side, it's Tom Izzo's famous for kind of just taking away the Big Ten tournament almost. And that's not that doesn't worry me, the fact that they didn't win the Big Ten tournament, but just the fashion that they lost. You don't want to have it that bad of a beatdown. 28 points, if my math is correct. I'm yeah. not a math major. but <laughs> You're better than me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But just the way you get beat down, that can't be good. If it was a close loss, sure, no problem, but they got beat down. They get killed, and Penn State was the same way when they played Penn State. They played them once and got hammered. They, I mean, they lost by 11, but or 12. Yeah, there's my math. But, like, it, it, it's bad. I don't know, Goodman. And it's just there's too many lopsided wins here. They blow a team out like a Purdue 89-73, and then they lose um, two massive games against Nebraska. Yeah, one in the it, tournament and one at Nebraska. It goes right back to the consistency that I was saying before. But, you know, we did say that they – did beat Nebraska once, and mm-hmm. it's not like they didn't beat them in a respectable fashion, 70-57. to 57. That was a solid victory. That's a very It's good not like Michigan State women's basketball is not capable of beating teams with authority. Lou, what do you think? In the Nebraska game this past game, my biggest surprise looking at the stat sheet was Annalise Pickrell with zero points. That really shocked that me. That is why they lost by 28 points. It absolutely is. And another strange thing about the women's game versus men's is that it seems like the scores are much more – the in-game scores are much more lopsided. Yep. You see 20-point victories fairly common. Because when the girls are feeling it, bro, they just keep stroking it, and they can't <laughs> stop it. That's the thing. They just – they really just – then they're playing great basketball. They, they're looking at it, and look, when you look at the game – Look at Becca Mills. She was just, you said it. She was on. Annalise Pickrell was not on. So at the same time, is you're over semi on the field. You're over five beyond the beyond the arc. You look at Becca Mills, five for nine. She's playing great basketball. And, and, and Ariel Powers double double for her. You know what you're going to get out of those people. Yep. And a team like this, it's kind of been Jekyll, Jekyll and Hyde the whole season. So they're going to be playing. They're going to have to play six consistent great games, and I don't think they've done that this year. They haven't. If and they want to win the tournament, which is a, a high hopes, but even to do it two, three, string two or three games in a row where they don't get blown out, it's it seems pretty tough for this team, honestly. To me, if Michigan State is going to go far in the tournament, they need a good play at Annalise Pickrell, and then a great play to Clarissa Bell, and those are two people that they need to play that are great. Exactly, they need to play great basketball, and you know what? If they're look. This is what it comes down to: is if you cut, if you play great basketball, you're going to win the game, good. And that's it. That's just it. And they didn't play that well. They you didn't. They they got smoked. Harry, you were saying that they couldn't pull out a six game stretch, you know, coming down the tournament. But I'm looking here, and before this Nebraska loss, 86 to 58, they won six games in a row. They won those games against OSU, against Wisconsin, against Minnesota, Northwestern, Indiana, Michigan. Yeah, we are saying the Big Ten is weak, but those are still wins. And you know, against Michigan, 61 to 58. Against Indiana, 76 to 56. Against Northwestern, 75 to 44. It's not like they can't beat teams in. Order right. in strength straight away, but there's with authority. Too inc- they're way too inconsistent. Here's my thing, though, Lou. Oh, everyone said where they expect Michigan State to finish out in the tournament. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be up in the air. You don't know, but Lou, to me, is where do you where do you think is the acceptable standard for these ladies 
going in the NCAA tournament, five seed, we'll give him a guess. Um, what do you think is acceptable for me? Uh, we had a good season. Acceptable, I'd say Sweet 16. But I, I think that they might be able to go a little bit farther than that. I would really? say that Elite Eight is a possibility. we got to see the bracket comes out tonight. we got to see what happens. Absolutely. But. with that, that's, That'll need to be seen. But uh, I think Elite Eight is definite possibility. Like we said, they've been inconsistent. But that doesn't mean that they haven't played very well at times. No, and they I have. Think, I mean, they've dominated teams. And it's not like the men's team who has had a steady decline. They've been up and down the whole year. And if they hit an up streak right at the right time, they'd be. I, I think they're, they could definitely make the Elite Eight. Okay, here's my thing, though. All right, so you said Elite Eight, but there's there's two keys here before we wrap this thing up. If Michigan State can draw out of a Notre Dame region who is undefeated, and if they can draw out of a UConn and Gino Oriemas team, if, if Michigan State gets drawn into the other two regions that do not include those two teams, they are going to be in good shape. But if they are drawn into a bracket with those two teams, then that's different. And I think that's what it comes down to. I really do. I don't know what you guys think, but yeah. I mean, Fino, you, we're all kind of everywhere right now with, with what we're saying about this women's team because, like, you know, they can't seem to give us exactly a, a, a clear sheet as to what we're looking at for confidence with them in the tournament. The Elite Eight, a little bit of a stretch. For me, Sweet I 16. Yeah, I, I think Elite Eight is a joke. I think Elite Eight, they're not going to get there because they have to draw out of those two regions, guys. Closing thoughts, though, we'll get a little predictions for these women's. And we'll get a little predictions for these men's. Most importantly, I want to ask the people that didn't participate, you two clowns, about what you think about about what you think where Michigan State will finish in the Big Ten tournament. Basketball. I think men's. I think that Michigan State men's basketball could dominate the Big Ten tournament. So you say they win. I, I think they could win the tournament. I really do. Tom Izzo is a magic man. He's kind of like Pavel Datsuk. Shout out to the Wings beating oh the my, Devils. Oh, my God. And, you know, I'm just saying Tom Izzo can really bring it out at the end. Okay, so you like him winning it. Yes. All right, what do you got, Eric? I got us going to the finals. I think time is Let's up do it. a little more value into this one. There's no doubt about it, guys. Every Monday from 7 8 on WDBME Slanting, you know where to find us. us on the Pact. From Lou, Austin, Harry, and Faith, it's all the best, guys, on the Pact. You'll listen to us next Monday at the little St. Patrick's Day edition. That should be a lot of fun. We'll be here beyond the studio. Yes, Austin, we'll drink green beer if you can. But the thing is, 517-423-3893 is our number. Feel free to call in every Monday from 7 8. You get to hang out with the panelists and myself. Everyone stay safe. Enjoy the nice weather. And more importantly, turn up East Lansing. Enjoy the weather.